0: Hi there. Welcome to your podcast for College Catholics. I am your host, Father Patrick Wainwright. Uh, First of all, I wanted to uh, let you know um, that we have reached 5,000 downloads. And that is definitely a great landmark for me. And I'm grateful for all your help uh, in listening to this podcast and your help passing it along to others. Uh, So please continue to do that. Continue to pass it to other college students. I encourage them to listen in and uh, benefit, hopefully, from this uh, podcast. So in today's episode, we will speak about how the uh, death of Christ was a sacrifice our Lord offered for you and for our salvation. Uh, In in our last episode, we talked about how it was a historical fact, right? We talked about the historicity of the death of Jesus Christ and some of the accusations brought against him by his enemies. This time, we want to look at it from a more spiritual, faith-filled aspect, right? To to understand why Jesus died on the cross, but uh, not only why from a human perspective, but above all, what was the plan of God? What did God have in mind to allow the death of Christ, the death of the, the Word made flesh on the cross? Uh, at the end, we will look at uh, some ways to benefit spiritually from the passion and death of our Lord and how to unite our sufferings with His. And we will look at the example of St. Polycarp and some of the most famous words that St. Polycarp, Bishop of Smyrna, uh, said uh, when he was about to die. (music) The life and the death of Jesus Christ are historically proven events. We spoke about the different historical sources that we have to prove this. We also explained how there are several reasons that the leaders of the Jews brought before Pontius Pilate against Jesus Christ so that he would crucify him. However, those were the plans of men, if you want. The plans, the stratagems of his enemies. But in God's mind, according to God's plan, there was a much more profound reason why Jesus Christ suffered and died. And that was to bring eternal life for all humanity. This is why the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was prophesied many times in the Old Testament, not only by the uh, utterances of the prophets, prophets, what they they said to the people of Israel, but they were prefigured with types and foreshadowings, we call them, right? Uh, Prefigured by people and things in the Old Testament. Like, for example, Isaac carrying the wood for the sacrifice next to his father Abraham in the book of Genesis, chapter 22, verse 6. Or, for example, all the sufferings that Jeremiah had to bear because he was God's prophet. Or, In the book of Numbers, chapter 21, verses 8 and 9, the serpent that was raised by Moses on a pole when the people of Israel were in the desert and complained because of the food and so forth. So, that serpent, or Jeremiah, or Isaac carrying the word of the sacrifice, are different prefigurations, foreshadowings of the death of Christ on the cross. But there were many other. Uh, prefigurations, for example, all the sacrifices of animals, of sheep, uh, lambs and goats, etc., that were performed in the temple of Jerusalem. So all those things and all those sacrifices of the Old Testament were symbols, a sort of prophecy pointing toward the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. So in that sense, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross brings all those prophecies of the Old Testament to fulfillment, making them a symbol of the past, superseded by the reality itself, the reality of the one definitive sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Because that sacrifice of Christ is the fulfillment of all those other symbolic sacrifices of goats, Of sheep, of bulls, the images of the Old Testament, etc. Those symbolic animal sacrifices now don't need to be performed anymore because they were fulfilled and superseded by the sacrifice, the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross, the one sacrifice for all the sins of humanity. And in that sense, there were many prophecies in the Old Testament pointing toward the sacrifice of Christ. But one of the most amazing prophecies, in my opinion, of the passion and death of our Lord is in chapter 53 of the book of Isaiah. The, the prophecy that is frequent, frequently called the fifth gospel because it describes almost, we could say, more in detail the sufferings of Christ and the ultimate, ultimate reason for his death. Right, So, what we, I'm going to read a little bit, I'm going to quote from Isaiah 53, verses three, 3 through 6. And you will see how, in a sense, you get a better picture of the sufferings of Christ than the picture given by the, um, by the Gospels themselves. The Gospels, of course, are more uh, specific, historically accurate, but the prophecy says a lot more, it gives more of the meaning if you want. So I'll read from Isaiah chapter 53. He was spurned and avoided by men. A man of suffering, knowing pain, like one from whom you turn your face. Spurned, and we held him in no esteem. Yet it was our pain that he bore, our sufferings that he endured. He thought, we thought of him as stricken struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our sins, crushed for our iniquity. He bore the punishment that makes us whole. By his wounds, we were healed. We had all gone astray like sheep, all following our own way. But the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. Up to there, Isaiah, the prophet. So we said that Jesus suffered for our sins. He was prefigured from, by these uh, sacrifices of the Old Testament and these prophecies. But also we said that Jesus embraced these things freely and out of love for you and for me. So he was completely in control of his life at all, at all times. He offered his life. He handed over his life and he took it up again whenever he wanted because he is God. So therefore, beyond the reasons why his enemies, which we mentioned in the, old, in the uh, previous episode, beyond those reasons which his enemies used to accuse him before Pontius Pilate, the sacrifice of Christ has supernatural, if you want theological purposes, or ends, we call them in theology, right? Uh, Four ends of this definitive offering of Jesus on the cross. And these four ends of the the cross of Christ uh, are the following. First of all, to give God the Father a perfect worship of adoration on behalf of all men. Second, to give perfect thanks to God for all the gifts given to man. Third, to offer a sacrifice that would satisfy or pay for all of your sins and my sins and all the sins of all humanity, from the sin of Adam and Eve to the sin of the last man to live in this human history. And finally, fourth, to ask God the Father for all the graces we need in this life. In a perfect and successful way. In such a way that when we need to make any request to God, we know that through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, we can ask the Father for any and all gifts, especially those needed to get to heaven. Now, before his passion and death, during the Last Supper with his apostles, Jesus instituted the most holy sacrifice of the Mass as a means for us to receive all the graces that flow from the sacrifice of the cross so that they can reach me here today in spite of the fact that I'm living 2,021 years after the death of Christ. So during the sacrifice of the Holy Mass, which Christ instituted in the Last Supper, the very same sacrifice of Christ on the cross is made truly present on the altar of our churches. In such a way, then, that when we attend Mass celebrated, right, by a Catholic priest, we can truly say that we are present at the foot of the cross on Mount Calvary. Not in a symbolic or uh, poetic way, but in a true, sacramental way. This is why the Holy Mass is the very same sacrifice of the cross but offered in an unbloody manner. We don't see the blood, we don't see the body being nailed or the bones being wrenched and so forth. But those things are happening during the Holy Mass. And for that reason too, the Holy Mass is the most perfect action that any man can ever offer to God the Father because it is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross which has an infinite value and therefore the Mass is offered for the same four ends as the sacrifice of the cross for the adoration of God the Father in thanksgiving for the many blessings we received to pay for or if you want in propitiation for our sins and finally to ask for further graces that we need for our salvation. So, those are the purposes or the ends of the Mass that are equal to the ends of the sacrifice of the cross. Now, here are some further facts about the death of Christ on the cross. First of all, his death on the cross was a real death. He really died, right? So, on the cross, his soul separated itself permanently from his body, causing the death of Christ. And through that death, Jesus defeated Satan, he defeated sin, and defeated death. At this time, both the body and the soul were united to the divinity, and therefore both, body and soul, although they were separated from each other, were both worthy of adoration. While his body was buried on the tomb, wrapped in a linen cloth, cloth or shroud, which is now in Turin, his soul, now victorious, went down to the souls of the just of the Old Testament, awaiting redemption, what we call hell. Right? In, the, in the creed we say he descended into hell. Well, he went to the place where the souls of the just of the Old Testament were awaiting redemption. And he released them all and then returned victorious to the tomb on the third day and reunited itself with its body and gave it a new, glorious, and eternal life. But we will leave all this uh, about the resurrection uh, for a future episode. We will talk about, um, next episode, we will talk about an example, the life of a young woman who died after being married for some years. Uh, Her name is Chiara Corbella-Petrillo. We will talk about her example in the next episode. And then later we'll talk about the resurrection of Christ uh, to, let's say, continue with this mystery of the life of Christ. So, to give you a brief summary of what we have said um, in this episode. First of all, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God made man, who was completely innocent and without sin, freely offered himself to die on the cross on our behalf, offering a sacrifice that would expiate all the sins of all humanity. He chose to die. He chose to take on all the consequences of our sin, all our sufferings, temptations, pain, and even death, to pay in His flesh for all our sins, for your sins and mine as well. So we cannot doubt the infinite love that Jesus has for each one of us. And we cannot doubt that He who died for us when we were His enemies will forgive anything to anyone who turns to Him with a spirit of repentance. So I highly encourage, always, I encourage you to always come to Jesus Christ because he is the visible mercy of the Father. So as a spiritual conclusion from all these, uh, for me, very profound truths, right? Um, I'd like to stress, first of all, the importance that the death of Christ on the cross should have for your daily life. So first of all, I encourage you to constantly remember it with a spirit of gratitude. A second thing is you should always try to be faithful to Jesus Christ, living in holiness in a way worthy of all the sacrifice, all the sacrifices Jesus underwent for you to give you eternal life. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you just to be a good person. He died on the cross for you to be a saint, for you to be faithful unto death, for you and I to be willing to die for him who died for us. So in this sense there's a great example uh, of the life of a saint, Saint Polycarp, who was bishop of Smyrna in modern-day Turkey. He lived at the second half during the second half of the 1st century and at the beginning of the 2nd century. He was di- he was a direct disciple of Saint John the Evangelist, and while he was a bishop, a persecution arose in his region of the Roman Empire. He was imprisoned and he was condemned to be bor- burnt to death. So they took him to the Roman stadium, and there the proconsul, uh, the Roman consul in charge of uh, condemning him and burning him to death, uh, c- tried to convince him to deny his faith and reject Jesus Christ. And the conversation they had was kept in the acts of the martyr St. Polycarp. So the proconsul told him, Swear by Caesar, and I will let you set you at liberty. Reject Christ. But St. Polycarp responded with those amazing words that were recorded for all history. He said, 86 years have I served him, and he never did me any harm. How then can I blaspheme of my king and my savior? So those words are really powerful and heroic, and I hope that we may all respond that way if we're ever tempted to deny to deny Jesus Christ, the proconsul finally condemned him to be burnt alive. But just to tell you the end of the story, there was a miraculous uh, event, and the flames would not burn his flesh, and therefore the Romans decided to finally stab him to death. So, if you like, if you'd like to read more, the entire account of his martyrdom, I will leave a link in the show notes below so that you can find it and read it on your own. And a third and final consequence or uh, conclusion that I'd like to uh, draw from a spiritual point of view regarding the sacrifice of Christ is that you should try to unite all your sacrifices, all the things, all the joys that you do and the things you do for God during the day with the sacrifice of Christ on the cross to give glory to God through your daily sufferings. This is what we mean when we say that you should offer up your daily difficulties in union with the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. And we do this through the participation in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross gives infinite glory to God. So when, we, when you unite your small sacrifices with the sacrifice of Christ during the Mass, This makes your daily difficulties, when offered with Christ, grow in value. They become more powerful channels of grace. They become, in a sense, more meritorious, because they are united with the sacrifice that Jesus offered to God the Father. So make sure you think frequently on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the cross, there is life. In the cross, there is forgiveness. In the cross, there is mercy. And in the cross, there is hope for you and for me. There is hope for salvation. So thank you so much for joining me today in this reflection of the amazing mystery of the cross of Christ. So if you have any questions about the Catholic faith and you, or if you want to send me any feedback, please do send me an email at info at forcollegecatholics.org. I would really love to hear from you. And I hope you join us next episode when we speak about Chiara Corbella Petrillo and her life, her amazing witness and love for her son, whom she gave birth to. And I truly hope that God blesses you abundantly and that we see you next episode for College Catholics.